This podcast contains spoilers, explicit language, and is not made for anyone under the age of 13. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to John vs. Film, and today we are taking a look at Kamera Tai Daimaju Jaiga, or also known as Gamera vs. Jiger. Sorry, <laughs> had a little burp in there. Ugh. Had to get it out while trying to read that, but yeah. This is the next entry in the Gamera series. This movie came out in 1970. In fact, according to the August Ragoni intro in the Arrow video release, it uh, it actually came out seven days after the Osaka World Expo. Yeah, World Expo 70 in Osaka, Japan came out. And that's very relevant for this movie because this movie takes place during the Expo. Well, not while the Expo is open, but during like the construction and preparation of the Expo. Like in the later stages, I want to say. So, yeah, it's also kind of cool how they were able to get this movie out in time for the expo to be open to the public. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, here's how we do things in John versus Film. I'm going to start off with a little synopsis that I wrote. Then I'm going to talk about five things I like. Then I go into five things I dislike, and then I wrap it all up with my overall thoughts. So, without further ado, here is the synopsis of the movie. The 1970 World Expo is about to happen in Osaka, and what better exhibit to have than a than bringing a mysterious demon-like statue from the lost continent of Mu? Unfortunately, Gamera doesn't think that's a good idea. And he may have a point, as taking the statue away awakens the demon monster, Jiger. And this will be Gamera's toughest battle yet. So yeah, that's a, that's the movie. That's my little synopsis. Uh, anyway, spoilers. I, I gotta... Re- I'll have, I'm pretty sure by this point I've recorded a new episode disclaimer about the spoilers in the beginning. But just in case, spoilers for this over 50 year old movie, Jesus. But yeah, uh, the first thing I'm going to talk about is, so yeah, going to the likes right off the bat. So the first point I want to make is that the opening credits, uh, we've, We've had, you know, some pretty catchy opening credits before in the Gamera movie. And this one is pretty straightforward. It plays the iconic Gamera, Gamera, you know, song. It, it's a very awesome song. I love how they keep using it in, the, in these movies. But yeah, it just goes into the opening credits. And uh, the reason why I'm playing the opening credits and likes is that it does use stock footage. But wait a minute, didn't I say not too long ago, like in Gamma vs. Virus, that stock footage was bad? 
well, let me let me explain. See how Virus used stock footage. How they used it was bad because they were using it as a new scene or a new story. Like, you know, for Virus, they were like using old movie scenes of Gamma destroying the cities and and like other architecture and whatnot from the first Gamma movie and Gamma vs. Burgum. And it was especially bad with you know when using the first Gamma movie because that movie was black and white and Gamma vs. Ferris was in color. So using that like those you know as like new as part of the story as something new that's happening that's bad. I didn't necessarily mind it when using it for flashbacks sequences, but when using it as sort of new stuff or new material, that I can, yeah, that's not a good thing to do. Uh, but, and like, and it's not even like little, it's in bits, pieces. It was, you know, just kind of blatant, you know, clips just kind of being played as new stuff. But anyway, this is about Gamma versus Jiger. What am I talking about Gamma versus Virus for? Well, the reason I had to bring that up is because the stock footage here, well, there was like one scene later on in the movie that uses a short little bit of stock footage from Gamma versus Burugan. It was people hiding, you know, in like shelter area or whatnot. But that was like only a quick second. The. You know, other than that little part later on in the movie, the only major stock footage we have from previous Gamera movies is during the opening credit sequence. And it, it is about Gamera. It's just showing Gamera fighting and defeating, you know, previous villains that he has faced. You know, we get to see a little fight between Barogan, Gauss, Virus, Giron. You know, so that's what the opening credits for. It's just showcasing, you know, what Gamera has gone through before in terms of threats. Like, kind of just a, yep, these are the monsters Gamera has fought before. And it felt kind of like a nice refresher of, okay, this is what's happened before. And it's not really a part of the story. So it's like a fine, like, this is a good use of stock footage, or at least a better use. That, that would be the best way to describe it. It's a better use of stock footage if it's just kind of separate at the very beginning, just kind of a, you know, a nice catch up of what happened. In fact, it's not the only movie that's ever done that. Not even uh, in the Gamma franchise, because later on in Gamma vs. 3, which we will talk about in a few, you know, not next week or the week after, but in the very near future, because I'm going through all the Gamera movies, you know that uses stock footage from Gamera Guardian as part of its opening credit sequence, or it was at least you know pictures of it. You know, it's uh, and there's even Godzilla: Final Wars, not even part of the Gamera franchise, and a movie that came out in 2004 that used stock footage as part of its opening credits. Oh, if you want even a more recent you know example of that, look at Godzilla vs. Kong. That opening credit sequence uses stock footage from 
previous MonsterVerse films. And it works fine. So yeah, uh, props to the opening credit and how to expertly use stock footage and not use it as kind of a cheap way out of, you know, recording new scenes or whatnot. Uh, This next point is actually going to be a little bit long because I I really want to talk about both the writing and direction of this movie. And by the way, I forgot to mention, I can't believe I forgot to do this. Uh, Again, even though I don't really have to because I kind of explained that these are the people that are pretty much directing the and writing the Showa era Gamera movies. Its director is Noriaki Yuasa with uh, the little Gamma vs. Burugan clips used, you know, from Shigeo Tanaka's Gamma vs. Burugan, and it is written by Nissan Takahashi. We've heard those names before. And previous episodes and previous movies they're the same team you know we're working with the same gamma team throughout but i think they deserve special mention and this for this movie and the reason why is that i think this is by far their best work out especially in comparison to virus and giron because virus and giron there was that kind of that dip in quality, you know, you could tell the budgets were getting cut. Not only that, and just especially last movie, the writing, it felt like that took a dip, as in like some of those kind of cobbled up together and wasn't thought of. But here, though, both the writing and direction, they're really at their A game in this. It feels like peak camera movie stuff. So. And I have written a bunch of mini points for this point because I got like examples. Uh, the first thing I want to mention is that there is like great conflict uh, at the beginning between Gamera and the humans. Uh, because in the movie, you know, like I mentioned in the synopsis, they're trying to take this, you know, devil looking statue and we find out it's called the Devil's Whistle. You know, they're, you know, archaeology team is trying to take the statue away and bring it towards the you know expo 70 as kind of a display or exhibit and whatnot and we see you know and that's also where like we see one of our the two main kids uh this is uh tommy williams you know who is played by Kelly Varis and with his father, Dr. Williams, who is played by Franz Gruber. I don't think they were quite in the opening uh, because I think we get introduced to Hiroshi played by Sutomo. I'm sorry. Sutomo Takakua. Sutomo. Tsutomu Takakuka. <laughs> Good. Wow, wow, that was bad. Yeah. Takakua-san. Um, and we also have uh, Tommy's little sister, Susan Williams, who's played by Catherine Murphy. Uh, she's with, you know, Tommy on and their father, Dr. Williams, on the island. 
you know where the statue is. But there, I I just want to mention that they're not. Tommy's side is like the first we see, you know, of the story. It opens with Hiroshi and his family, with his dad, who is just credited as dad, but he's played by Kon Umura, which, if you remember in the last episode, he played Konchan, who I also credit as being great. And here he plays a more, like, a little less comedic character, but he's still. He still plays a very good character. You, I like the dad in this one. And... Uh, ch -ch -ch -ch. I believe... Yeah, so... Hiroshi has an older sister... Who's... Uh, Miwako... Who's played by Junko Yashiro. You know, so we kind of get the opening with... Hiroshi's family. And then we go into Tommy's family. Well... And we with Tommy's family, they see Gamera flying around. Oh, I also forgot to mention. Sorry, real quick. Uh, there's a other character for the Williams, uh, Ellen Williams, who is played by Marie's Helly. I hope I said that right, Marie's Helly. So anyway, their family, you know, they're you know at the uh, archaeology site or whatever. And they see Gamera flying around. The adults are very hesitant towards Gamera. And, but the kids are like, no, no, no. Gamera's a friend. Gamera's a good guy. But what's interesting is that Gamera... Like, they're about to take the statue off from the ground. Like, they're trying... They're about to rip it from the ground. But Gamera actually intervenes. Now, he doesn't directly attack the humans. It's not like... He's gone full back to what he was in the first, you know, two movies where he was directly attacking human, you know, man-made structures and killing humans. No, this is, he's kind of just like trying to stop them, like trying to, like just flies around the helicopters that are connected to the statue and he tries to, you know, stop the helicopters from taking the statue away so it creates this like interesting conflict right off the bat because we know that like hey Gamera's supposed to be a friend you know for you know he's supposed to be a good monster but yet he is interfering with this site uh but and this causes you know a lot of the adults to kind of be feel validated towards their hesitation and actually go on the offense against Gamera. They actually get their guns, even though, I hate to say it, guys, guns aren't really effective against giant monsters. Just saying. But even so, uh, you know, Dr. Williams especially, he he's like, nope, get him out of here. We're going to shoot him if he tries to interfere. And yeah, that's what they try to do. They try to shoot Gamera for interfering. And it also puts Gamera in this kind of spot of just being you know sort of this wiser enter you know entity then like uh we've seen in the previous movies that you know Gamera's clever but you know but here like at this moment it feels like you know there's like Gamera is this kind of wise yeah like I said wise entity but I won't or just, you know, like someone that, you know, a creature that, you know, 
knows better, but doesn't, but also cares for us, you know, and is trying to, you know, tell, you know, humanity, hey, don't do this without directly attacking humanity, which I think was good. You know, it created this, you know, good conflict between the two because the thing is, they actually explained that the importance of the statue, it's not like a greedy businessman wants statue for Expo. Uh, Because here's the thing, they actually, before they ripped the statue off, they like uh, Hiroshi gets to go with a character named I believe it's Kaisuke Sawada who's made by Yo Hayami yeah 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 sorry Yo Hayami <clears throat> sorry one more time one more I'm going to try to pronounce it right Yo Hayami alright and the thing is about this actor, if you, you know, this is, uh, I believe, the first time we see him in the Gamera movie. Actually, I know it's a fact, the first time we see him in a Gamera movie. But uh, the actor is actually not most known for Gamera. In fact, if you're a common Rider fan, you should recognize him as he plays Kaisuke. Kaisuke Jin, or a.k.a. Kamen Rider X. And, well, Kamen Rider X and sequel, you know, and other appearances as Kamen Rider X in future releases. So, yeah. It's, uh... You know, we got our Kamen Rider in this camera movie, so you know it's a big deal, but... No, anyway, Kaisuke, he's, uh... Like an archaeologist as well, or no, he's an architecture, I believe. He's helping build the expo and organizing the expo. And anyway, he explains what the pavilions are. He's telling this to Hiroshi. It's a little bit exposition, but it, it's like it is also kind of fascinating just to see the details of the expo. Because the thing is about the movie, uh, according to the introduction, August Ragoni. The creative team actually had access, you know, to the facilities before it opened. They got to film, you know, during the, you know, in the expo grounds. And we're also, you know, and it also helped the writing, you know, to be able to kind of get the facts straight, you know, getting that information. So we see that. But yeah, anyway, they explained that the theme of the expo is Praga. Progress and harmony for mankind. And the thing about the statue, they also explained that it actually has some very significant knowledge that it could have. You know, it, because everyone knows the Easter Island heads, you know, from Easter Island. You know, and this statue supposedly is like, could be like a missing link or help, you know, discover the origins of other artifacts so yeah they explained that why this is important to humanity and but you know so again the conflict feels really good because it's like on one hand this feels you know very significant importance to humanity but Gamera knows why the stake is there why the statue is there 
and that's because it's holding Jiger in place. And we find out later on, you know, as the movie progresses, Jiger is a threat. And that's another thing I want to point out in this, you know, big point. Again, this is probably going to be the longest part of the podcast, uh, is that the stakes actually feel really high. And it feels like they actually put Gamera in some really good, tough situations. Because they make Jiger, you know, when Jiger's released, it feels like a legit threat to Japan and humanity. Uh, and also, the thing is with Gamera, you kind of like see this formula of, okay, we have to take out Gamera, you know, somehow tempor- temporarily in order for him to kind of come back and fight for us. But anyway, uh, there's like two and help, like two situations where Gamera has like really, uh, and I'm trying to find a word inhabilitating, you know, like really inhabilitating situations, which I'll get to on later on, but the stakes are really high as it really shows, you know, sort of like consequences for the humanity's action. Because even after they, you know, removed the devil's whistle, you know, a lot of like the crew that was transporting the statue was getting sick. And there's that. But also they also like they also they also they also also well <laughs> I don't know why I was reporting repeating the word also. That was weird. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is that we actually see human death like human casualties like straight up we get to see jiger destroy the boats that you know that sick crew was on we see jiger directly kill humans like he has jiger has this ray that kind of destroys everything you know in this like little circular pattern but there's a sequence where it directly attacks you know some soldiers and we see the soldiers turn into skeletons it's really gruesome if you think about it it's not bloody or anything but the fact that they are you know flesh and then they you see them turn to nothing but their skeletons it's it's very horrific if for a kids movie especially in comparison to the last two gamma movies where it felt kind of like goofy non not really that high stakes threat you know but here we actually see the threat and we see the damage jaggers causing it's probably the most damage since gauss or barugan were causing uh we also see the human cast you know like i mentioned before i mentioned all the actors name and all th- you know, on the characters, they are an improvement over from the last film where if you watched or listened to last week's episode, you would know how I didn't really care for most of the human cast there. But here, that's not the case. They're very likable. They have some common sense. Uh, but just a real quick, you know, trivia note is that Catherine Murphy is uh, the little sister of Christopher Murphy who played Tom in the last movie and I also think it's funny that we have 
Tom in the last movie and Tommy in this movie. There's quite a lot of Toms in Japan during the late 60s and early 70s. Huh? Well, anyway, uh, there's... I also mentioned how it was, you know, how it ties in the expo, and I think that's great. Uh, the, I mentioned the Devil's Whistle, and I also love how that is set up and it's fleshed out as to what's going on. Because they actually give it a scientific reason as to why it's, like, making people sick or why... It was, you know, able to hell, you know, hold Jiger captive for so many years, you know, countless years, we're assuming, you know, and that's because it produces like a high frequency through. Um, so essentially, there's like a kind of a hole that was used to pour blood from sacrifices in it, but the tube kind of like creates a whistle sort of like the devil's whistle and the reason why we saw certain you know crew members get sick it's they explain it's a like kind of an allergic reaction to it but anyway with jagger it's actually his weakness is that uh i'm looking up the wiki right now weakness uh yeah so like the it's i think the whistle produces a low frequency um, or it's just a different frequency than the high frequency waves that Jagger was emitting. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, you know, the whistle, you know, created low frequency sounds because of how it was, you know, structured and whatnot. And that's, you know, Jagger's weakness. But the adult Jagger is not like it won't kill. The adult Jiger, but it will, you know, weaken or put it into like a stasis that we saw earlier in the movie. But yeah, I love how that was kind of like fleshed out from like it could have easily been this mythical item. It actually has a curse, but no, they give it a scientific reason as to why. You know, there is supposedly a curse on why it was keeping Jiger, you know, captive. Uh, and there's also the fact that, you know, we see, you know, and how it's built up. Like, it's not just like straight up told like, oh, we made this discovery, you know, and they tell us about it. They actually show it by, you know, first of all, the noise that it emits, the mysterious noise. It's it's very much well built up, and uh, later on in the movie, we see that Jiger impregnates Gamera with parasitic eggs, and the kids they go inside Gamera, and they were able to kill the baby offspring using low frequency waves created by the transmitter that they had. Uh, which is another point I want to mention is that. It's a neat little twist because, you know, for this movie, and it also feels like a natural progression uh, because we see in previous Gamera movies, most of them, in fact, Gamera was the one saving the kids. 
it's more you know sometimes the kids help out Gamera, but at the end of the day, it's mostly the kids you know saving Gamera. Uh, and even if there's no, it's Gamera saving the kids. I'm sorry, <laughs> I misspoke. You know, it's mostly Gamera saving the kids, and even if the kids quote unquote save Gamera, it's mostly so it's kind of in relation to the kids trying to get out of the situation they're in. Here, though, the kids, uh, the two main ones, Hiroshi and Tommy, they actually take a yellow submarine. Yes, we are returning to a little yellow submarine, just like the for Gamma versus Virus, but instead of just having, you know, kids going in the submarine and them having to be safe from Gamma, the kids take the yellow submarine and go inside Gamma and actually save Gamma from the parasite, you know, growing inside Gamera. It's, you know, it is like kind of this great progression for the series. And it sort of feels like an end point, you know, just kind of like, you know, all these movies before it's Gamera saving the kids here, though, it's time for the kids to save Gamera and not as kind of a, oh, get out of a bad situation, but an active, the kids are being selfless. And they're going and risking their lives to save Gamera. Uh, and uh, when I mentioned the also Green, I just kind of want to say how it, I like how it uses previous, you know, elements from you know earlier movies, but sort of changes it up or improves upon it, like the yellow submarine and the kids driving the submarine and all that. It it's all really set up well, you know, and. Yeah, there's like uh, the fact that the adults are kind of, you know, have to learn a lesson. They have to learn the lesson from the kids this time around. And they actually, you know, we also get to see this progression in the movie where the adults are hesitant with Gamera and even attack Gamera for interfering with the, you know, the site or the extraction of the statue. They end up having to help re revive Gamera in the third act by starting it was like they had to charge his heart up with electricity or whatever or get you know directly put you know electrical wires inside Gamera to revive him to give Gamera a recharge of energy or whatnot. It's sort of that kind of humanity learning the error of their ways or and all that. And here's the thing even though it could be kind of a continuity of adults not, you know, like you could say, why are the adults not trusting Gamera at this point? You know, and here's the thing. We don't see a lot of times for Gamera saving adults, for one. Two, we have examples of Gamera actually killing adults and killing humans and causing destruction in a couple of movies, so... I think adults have a actual. It's actually kind of a natural reaction to have some sort of hesitancy towards Gamera. You know, Gamera is a giant monster that has caused destruction in the past, so it, it kind of feels like, yeah, you know, it feels like logically it makes sense why they would still be hesitant towards Gamera, and even in previous Gamera movies where Gamera was transitioning to good guy, the adults were still pretty hesitant with Gamera. But here it finally feels like 
the adults are like, no. Gamera's a good guy. We we fucked up. And now that uh, we got it, we got to save Gamera. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I think I have a couple other points, but I, I just, you know, those are some of the highlights from the writing and direction and all that. And again, I, I just feel like I'm comparing this to the previous Gamera entries. I feel like this is like their strongest output so far. It's really well done. I will leave off this one point, even though it's multiple points, but uh, I'm putting it under one point because I just wanted to gush about it. Is that, you know, and I, this is probably the biggest point is that while the last two movies that kind of felt like a downgrade in quality and they kind of felt like more like made for TV movies, that would be the best way to describe it. This one doesn't. This one feels back to the, you know, how the first three Gamera movies were, and it feels cinematic. So, huge props to, again, Nor, you know, Noriaki, Yuasa, and Nissan Takahashi. Fantastic job. Uh, next point is the special effects. I think they have improved, especially from the last two movies, but here they feel much improved. We got Return of Miniature Sets, like city miniature sets, not just Alien Planet or one... Like, it's not just one set, alright? That's not one miniature set we see Gamera and the other monsters, you know, fight in. No, we actually get multiple sets. We get... We return to actual city destruction, you know, actual buildings... You know, like building miniatures, something we got from the first three Gamera movies. That's a great return, and I feel like this, in terms of special effects, it it's almost to the quality of Subraya's work. I would say almost. There's some parts that, you know, not quite there yet, but in the miniature work and all that defects. I think this is the best effects output yet. Uh, there, but there are also some like very tiny details that I really want to mention. Uh, I mentioned earlier that Gamera gets impregnated by Jiger, you know, in the movie. Well, you know, there's a point in the movie like what happens is that Jiger has his tail and Jiger has his little you know, a little spike that pops out the end of the tail, and that's how, and it's that spike that jabs through Gamera's shoulder that really, like, impregnates, you know, Gamera, and, you know, almost kills Gamera, let's be frank, it almost kills the guy. And, anyway, after that happens, we see Gamera stumbling, trying to get back into the ocean, because we've learned in earlier movies, that's where Gamera goes to heal, is the ocean. You know, and by the way, I also, I also love that sequence. You know, it's uh, Gamera try, just slowly walking back, you know, and stumbling to get back to the ocean. It's, it's very sad in a way, but it's also, it's a very nice one long shot of that. Uh, but... What I wanted to mention is that 
where Jiger, you know, stabbed Gamera, there is a little bulge that develops on Gamera's suit from that stab. I think that's a really neat detail of adding that bulge. You know, it's something that's, it's not even like a very noticeable thing, but it's something that's like, oh, that that's a really cool detail. Shoot. Uh, but... Yeah, it's just tiny details like that. And uh, the thing that's also great about this is that the action and special effects, they're consistent throughout the movie. Uh, The pacing, I forgot to mention the last part, is that the pacing is actually, it's almost perfect for this movie. They really nailed down the pacing and they separated the three main fights pretty evenly. You know, and you get special effects throughout the entire movie. You know, you could definitely tell this movie got a much bigger budget than it did for Garon and Virus. But yeah, anyway, here it's just like it is so consistent throughout the movie. It is great to see such a kind of a special effects, you know, line like just seeing it throughout the movie, either being, say, Destruction or the monsters fighting. Speaking about the fighting, the choreography, I think, is much improved. They really nailed down the cuts and editing. It feels more fast-paced and it feels more interesting. Like, take Gamma vs. Gauss, where I didn't, while I did enjoy the action, I felt like there was some parts where it was still a little stiff. Uh, an example would be Gamera getting that cut from Gauss's beam. Because in that f- sequence, Gamera's kind of just standing there and letting it happen. Real here, though, you know, the the action's pretty snappy. And if Gamera gets hurt, you kind it's not just Gamera just standing there and is letting, you know, the ray hit him or whatnot. Uh, then there's, uh, but it's like, uh, see, the thing is, Jiger has these, like, Spikes A shoots out. No, I'm sorry. She shoots out. Jagger is a she. But anyway, she shoots out these little spikes. First time it hits camera, you know, it actually hits camera in the right spots for him to not be able to retract. So uh, I'll get into the sequence a little bit more because I don't want to, I, I want to like kind of separate it, but. You know, what I'm trying to refer to is like uh, after the spikes are removed, you know, and Jagger tries to do that again, you know, we actually see Gamera snap back into his shell, dodging the spikes. You know, and we got, you know, a lot of those, you know, quick movements and stuff that's like, wow, this feels like a really good fight. There's still some slow moments, but it uh, it's not as bad as like, say, Gauss or whatnot. It, it feels a bit more faster paced. And speaking of Gauss, you know, we see how Gamera used his shell, you know, to roll down the hill to hit Gauss. Funny thing is, Gamera actually uses that move here, but it doesn't work with Jiger. Jiger is able to redirect it with her mag- magnetism power that, power that she has. It's actually pretty cool. Uh, but the final point I want to say about the special effects, uh, it's Jiger's suit itself. It's actually pretty impressive because 
Jiger's suit does something that not even the Gamera, like, I'm sorry, not even the Toho movies were able to accomplish. Because if you know us in a lot of early Toho movies, and I think even later Toho movies, but I'm not entirely sure, you know, for monsters that are kind of on their hind legs, you know, are, are four-legged, like, take Angers, for, for example. You know, we have, you know, you obviously got the two fronts, but the two hind legs, the, you know, the actor has to, you know, use their knees and pretty much walk on their knees. And that's what the suit looks like. It's one of those product of their time kind of thing. But with Jagger, she's actually on all four feet. It's it's actually really impressive when you think about it, especially considering, you know, a lot of Subraya's suits, you know, like, and the, or the suits made in the Toho movies, they were made with a bigger budget, you know, but with monsters that are on their fours, you know, the hind legs would usually be relegated to the actors having to be on their knees and then kind of just dragging the feet behind them and not really standing on them or using them uh and sure you know they could have easily done kind of a situation where an ultraman where there was the there was a four-legged monster that was part of the mummy episode i'm trying to i don't remember the monster's name right off the bat but it had a warp mothra sound it was accompanied by uh mummy it was kind of it was green and gold. I, but anyway, what I'm trying to get is that with that suit, that was like two suit actors in one suit. This is another, the thing that's impressive with Jagger's suit is that it's, it's kind of like you know Anger's suit where it's just one person. It's one person suit. That makes it very impressive to get Jagger onto all four feet. And the suit. So I, I just want to say huge props to Jag, you know, the suit makers for Jagger's suit. It's it's incredible work. Uh my second to last point of what I like is that Jagger herself is a fantastic villain and is of constant threat uh for Gamma throughout the movie. And is probably the closest to actually killing Gamma because like I mentioned earlier, Jagger impregnates Gamma, puts a little parasite, and the thing is, Gamma at that pointed point needed human intervention. Alright. That hasn't happened with the previous movies where even Gamma had a threat, Gamma was able to get into water and is able to heal himself, you know, naturally and whatnot. But this whole time with the parasites, uh, yeah, if it wasn't for, you know, Tommy and Hiroshi, Gamera would have been done. So to see a villain that actually almost kills our hero, that's, that's impressive enough. But we also get to see that Jiger is intelligent. You know, and it is adaptive like how Gamera is. Uh, so, and has a lot of fantastic abilities as well. 
like I mentioned the spikes and the spike tail that impregnates Gamera and the ray, you know, those are a lot of the abilities that Jagger has. Uh, but and another thing is that Jagger is a threat to humanity as well. You know, Jagger has a lot of, you know, really cool powers, you know, has magnetic suckers, that's what the wiki says. Uh, and also has, like, uh, is very agile. You know, and has, like, these kind of, like, jet boosters on the side of her head that kind of, like, propel her up, you know, like, let her move faster or speed through the ocean or able to get her to jump high. Like, they're not, like, strong enough, like, cameras where she could fly, but it's more so kind of, like, you know, able to leap the tallest building, you know, tallest buildings or whatever kind of, you know, boosters. So, yeah, Jiger is a dope villain. And then finally, finally, or... You know, we're coming up to my final point is I got to talk about Gamera himself. Gamera, re I feel like this is the best we've seen of Gamera himself in this era. You know, because we actually see, you know, what has been built up in previous movies. Uh, I mentioned how Gamera has to get himself out of the spikes in the show because... The thing is, <clears throat> they actually borrow an element where in the first movie they try to get Gamera on his back so Gamera can't flip over and that would be like, yep, that's it. Gamera's over and then Gamera pulls that, aha, I actually can fly like a jet. Here though, you know, because of how the spikes are placed, you know, each on, you know, one arm or one leg, you know, it prevents Gamera from retracting into his shell and Jiger actually next you know, knocks Gamera onto his back, so Gamera has to, you know, is stuck. So what he has to do is he has to use his tail to, you know, drag himself towards a nearby rock, and Gamera uses his feet first to, you know, get the spikes out of his legs, and then he's able to retract his legs back to get those jets working, and then he's able to flip over and get the spikes out of his arms. You know, so we see Gamera's cleverness there. Uh, and we also see Gamera, Gamera's relationship with humanity proving, you know, improving, or at least to the point where Gamera will not directly attack humans, you know, at all, but will definitely try, try to interfere if he thinks that this is a bad like, there's a legit threat. In which case, we've seen that Jiger is a legit threat. So, we get Gamera going, you know, trying to tell him to stop without directly causing harm to them. It, it gives Gamera this full-on hero symbol. And uh, I think the final point I want to make with Gamera is that and this, like, this moment, Gamera really feels like a symbol of hope. Like, it feels as close as we would get to the Heisei series, with, where Gamera does feel like kind of a symbol of hope in those in that trilogy, where it's like, oh, thank God Gamera's here. I, I can't really say in the Showa era so far, like, 
before Jiger, Gamera felt like a, oh, thank God Gamera's here because uh, with like the previous two movies, it felt more of like a personal struggle either Gamera was having or the human kids were having or whatever. You know, it, it just, it didn't feel like, oh, thank God Gamera's here or like whatnot, you know, because it just like, I don't know, it just felt like kind of smaller in scale, if that makes sense. And with the first three movies, well, the first two movies, Gamera was kind of a dick to humanity, so there was definitely that hesitancy with Gamera. And even then with Gamera vs. Gauss, it's like, okay, we don't know if Gamera's a good guy or not. He seems to be fighting Gauss and not hurting humans. You know, well... There is still like that. Oh yay, Gamera's here! It's still kind of like, oh yay, Gamera's here! Please don't hurt us. But here, though, and I think the music helps here, you know, because even though I like the music in Gamera's Gauss, Gamera still had kind of that foreboding theme, you know, that made him still like kind of in a gray area. But here, it's I think it was after it was like a night scene. It was after. Jiger and Gamera have their first encounter. Gamera just got his bikes out. Gamera comes at night. It plays an instrumental version of Gamera's song. And you real I really felt the sense that it's like, oh thank God. Gamera's here. Like Gamera really felt like a symbol of hope. And I'm using felt very specifically. It it's not just like kind of odd paper, oh yep. Yeah, Gamera is a symbol of hope. It, it has to, like, it feels like, oh, thank God, Gamera's here to help. Gamera's here to save the day. You know, and I, I know these are kids' movies, but I can't help but get suckered into, you know, movies emotionally. I, I love giant monster movies, and yeah, it's just, I felt that sort of relief, Gam you know, of Gamera's presence that I haven't felt in the previous Gamera movies. In the show era. So. <clears throat> those were the five things I like. And as you can probably tell. I've been gushing about this movie. For quite a while. So of course I have to talk about five things. That I didn't. Care for. And I'm going to be real. These are mostly nitpicks. Uh, actually. 99 point nine 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 percent of his nitpicking if not 100 percent but anyway i i still gotta do it i kind of have to try to analyze it critically and not no movie's perfect so but thankfully for you guys and for my voice this is gonna be shorter than the likes uh so yeah anyway the first thing i dislike is that there was a lack of intro before the opening credits uh, what I mean is, the movie kind of just cuts straight into the opening credits. Like, we do see a little, you know, just kind of a shot of Gamera on the island where Jiger is laying dormant. And then it just, it kind of pops up to the opening credits. And the reason I mentioned that is that the first four Gamera movies had a really cool intro before, or at least a good hook you know, that has served as an intro, you know, and 
it, it hooks you in and then it goes into the opening credits. I think Garen versus Varus had the best one. So it was more of like, oh, that that's kind of a bummer that there was no intro before the opening credits. It's just straight into the opening credits. Again, it's not nothing wrong with it inherently. It's just kind of a shame because I felt like the Gamma series had some really good intros. Uh, the next point I want to talk about is uh, this one might have some merit to it. Uh, it's Jiger's design. Um, because I feel like Jiger, I don't know, there's some, like, uh, I want to say it's, uh, questionable design choices, because I don't want to accuse the, you know, creators or anything, you know, but I'm looking at the wiki right now, Jiger was designed by special effects artist Tomohisa, <laughs> but sorry. Tomohisa Yano and uh, but anyway with the design they kind of went with it felt like more inspired by it just feels like some emphasis like it looks somewhat like a you know the stereotypical like native tribe look with the spikes in the nose you know it feels kind of that stereotypical choice uh, you know, like, I don't know. It It's just one of those, like, something about that design choice that made it feel like, eh, I don't think that that could have, you know, used a bit more work. You know, it just felt a little bit too close, kind of that stereotype of the spikes in the nose, you know, make it kind of tribal and like that. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but. I, I do feel like that's somewhat what they were kind of going for with Jiger's design. I don't... I think... But even then, I don't think it's, like, very distracting looking or very obvious. Uh, and it could just be my interpretation. Uh, and for the most part, I think Jiger's design works. It's just, I think that one feature makes it look, you know, a bit like a stereotype of something that hasn't really aged well. I And this isn't the only example of where Kaiju has a questionable design choice. Uh, there's uh, an Ultraman monster that was uh, you know, had feathers on his head, you know, and had a beard, you know, feathered beard, and it was based off a native, like a famous Native American icon, or Native American person, uh, Geronimo, I want to say, let me, <clears throat> sorry, my throat's kind of dying right now, uh, Da, 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 da. Uh, Alright, I'm not... The name's blanking out, and I'm not going to look it up. You know, waste time. More time on the episode trying to look up, but... You know, I'm just saying, you know, it's not... 
off par, you know, for this era to make some questionable design choices. I'll say that. Uh, the third point, it's kind of a, again, a nitpick, but it's that we don't really get to see Gamera interacting with the children prior to the children entering Gamera's body. Granted, we get to see Gamera, you know, interfere with the archaeology site that, you know, Tommy and Susan were at. And they actually confront, you know, Tommy and Susan both confront Hiroshi about Gamera attacking the site, essentially. And they're like, telling Hiroshi, hey, Hiroshi, you told us that Gamera was a friend. What the heck? It was attacking our tents and whatnot. What's going on? You know, so there was that element, but what I'm talking about is that in previous Gamera movies, we got to see Gamera save the kids some, or interact with the kids somehow. Especially in the last two, where Gamera was racing with the two Boy Scouts and the subs, and then with the two kids in the spaceship. You know, we got to see the Gamera interacting with the kids somehow. We, for this movie, we don't really get that. We don't really get to see Gamera save the kids at all. So I think that was like. That could have been a missed opportunity and it does feel sort of like, even though, yeah, we know Gamera's friend to all children, I just think it's still important to see, actually see, the, you know, Gamera saving the children and not just being told Gamera is a friend to all children or saves children or whatnot. Uh, so anyway, yeah, this, uh, we're after that point, I'm going to go into my next point. And is that uh, during the final fight between Jiger and Gamera, Jiger is using her high frequency beam and it's hurting Gamera's ears. You know, and it's it's really hurting Gamera. And this this is just kind of a nitpick. Is that Gamera has to, you know, take some telephone poles and stick them into his ear holes to help cover the noise. Uh, the thing is, it, it just kind of looks silly, even though, yeah, the movies don't necessarily take themselves too seriously. I'm just going to say that it's like, this is supposed to be the climatic final battle. It does kind of feel a little out of place tone-wise to kind of like see Gamera with the two telephone poles, you know, sticking out of his head. It, it looks silly, but it, it takes away some of the seriousness, I think. The overall fight was going for. And then my final point. This is kind of just a bummer. Is that. Uh, even though they showed us the expo. And whatnot, The cool architecture the expo had. The creative team were actually asked. For Gamera and Jiger. To not. Destroy a miniature version of the expo. Which. I don't know. Like he's not seeing them really fight at the expo. I think was kind of a missed opportunity for the film. Again, this is not necessarily the creator's fault because they kind of have to keep a good relationship with the expo organizers, so they had to honor that wish. But still, it's kind of a shame that they couldn't do that. But yes, yes, yes. I don't know why I said yes. Uh, with a little lisp. But 
Anyway, we are at the end of this episode, except I gotta go with my overall thoughts. And yeah, I've been talking for over an hour. My 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 mouth and throat's kind of hurting a little <laughs> from doing that. So anyway, overall, this is the show of Gamera team at their finest. Not only is this a vast improvement from the previous two movies, I may go as far as to say that this is the best Gamera movie in the Showa era. It is an overall fun cinematic adventure with a great threat and thrilling kaiju action. And that'll do it for this episode. Uh, if you're watching or listening to this on YouTube, make sure to sub to subscribe. You know, press the like button or dislike button if you really hate this video for some reason. And leave a comment to tell me what I'm doing right or what I'm doing wrong. And this podcast is available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbeat.com, and Podcast Addict. At the time of this recording, don't know if I'm going to open more up. We'll see. And... Yeah, that'll do it. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic day. Take care.